I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Michael Swain of Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW show The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. The man across the studio for me is Michael Swain of Fog.net. Michael, are you stuck? Are you frozen to your chair? Not quite. I'm actually thawing out after sitting in my car, letting it warm up. And Fitz, I am not a fan of these negative nope. temperatures for folks who went to the Chiefs game. Nope. I don't know how you did it. Nope. Not me. I'm, I'm used to press boxes. I'm soft and proud of it. <laughs> yes. You can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash the drive show on Twitter at the drive 13. And of course, answer our weekly poll questions and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of the drive, you can listen to an audio only version that appears each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at go powercat.com and fog.net. And we start things off with our two minute drill. The first segment of the two-minute drill sponsored by Vanderbilt to your work boot center. Kansas got a comfortable win over Oklahoma on Saturday and made some history in the process. Michael, mm. how needed was this bounce-back performance for the Jayhawks? I think really needed fits. You look at the first week of Big 12 play for KU, there are some big-time issues if you're talking about a team wanting to compete for the title over the course of the 18-game conference season, right? Turnovers were a huge issue. KU turned the ball over 36 times over the first two games of Big 12 play. That's up from about a little bit over 11 turnovers that KU was averaging at the turn of the new year. And as a result of those turnovers against UCF, right, Fitz, KU blew a double-digit point lead. It was a terrible showing. And then against Oklahoma, it looked like a completely different team. All of a sudden, those mental errors that led to turnovers and fast breaks and easy points for the other team, they were non-existent. KU turned the ball over just twice. That's a new program record. And Fitz, you consider the history that Kansas basketball has, it's breaking program records is a huge deal. And that's exactly what KU did. Oklahoma scored just two transition opportunities over the course of the game off of those two turnovers. And Bill Self took responsibility for one of those turnovers. It was came in transition. He told KJ Adams to do one thing. Kevin McCullough threw it to where KJ Adams was. So theoretically, KU's players got one turnover and their head coach got one. <laughs> it's a great turnaround for KU. And I think so much of this game, the part that was encouraging is the lead management because that's not something KU's done really well this season. You go back to non-conference play, you can go to Florida on Wednesday night. KU has not managed leads well, and I thought in the second half, 
the Jayhawks did a great job of keeping Oklahoma from putting together a run. I thought Porter Moser made a great comment after the game saying that the way they track success offensively is how many times can you A, stop the other team three times in a row and then turn those into opportunities because that's how you start to build the run. Well, KU went the entire second half with it going three trips down the floor without getting some sort of point return. I think Kevin McCuller deserves a ton of credit for his job getting to the free throw line. He made 10 free throws, Hunter Dickinson, Johnny Furphy. I think those are some of the guys that really allowed KU to hold its lead and make sure it's a comfortable victory and a much needed one. Uh, two turnovers in the entire game? Two? Yeah. It's crazy fits. Two. Well, boy, do I have a different story to tell. Ooh. Do tell, Fitz. Kansas State <laughs> led the entire second half at Texas Tech until a three-point play gave the Red Raiders a 60-59 victory. Fitz, how big of an op missed opportunity was this for K-State to go 3-0 and to start Big 12 play? Well, K-State started this game really poorly. They, they were down 22-13, 13 minutes into the game. They had one point per minute in the first half. And then they closed the first half with just your, you know, common 20-0 run. So they led 33-22 at halftime, and they led the entire second half. They controlled this game, but to Tech's credit, they kept scrapping and chipping away. And to K-State's non-credit, is that what I want to say? They kept turning the ball over 18 times in total in this game. You're going on the road in the Big 12, playing a good opponent. After all, these two teams were both 2-0 in the conference and you turned the ball over 18 times and you should have won, well, that, that means you really did miss an opportunity because it's not like you went down there and played great. You just played pretty soundly and timely scoring helped this team. But when the game was on the line, Tech kind of wanted it more and honestly, they got some breaks, including a blatant travel that wasn't called that turned into a three-point play that gave Tech its only lead of the second half and then when K-State went down the court and didn't get points, well, that lead was the final score, 60-59. to 59. It wasn't a real pretty game. It wasn't always uh, fun to watch this game, but K-State scrapped and played hard and stayed in the game. This team started to develop a personality that it isn't the smooth kind of highlight reel team of last year, but they'll grind on you and they'll get after you, and they're starting to figure out who they are as a team. But the turnovers are a problem. The turnovers are probably a function of not having a true point guard on the floor uh, because Tyler Perry's still learning it and Day Day Ames rolled his ankle and wasn't able to play in this contest. So K-State let this one slip away, they really did. They just made too many mistakes for it to come down to a referee's decision that, you know, frankly didn't go their way. And as Coach Tang said after the game, he made a grave error, error in trying to get Tyler Perry maybe to the free throw line to win the game. That would have required the officials make a call. <laughs> and he now realizes that was not going to happen. That's just the kind of game it was for K-State. Fitz, can I give this a positive spin? Okay. I think we're three games into Big 12 play, and K-State is showing, I think at the start of the season, what we thought K-State would look like, but right. we didn't really see for most of the end of last calendar year. I think that in and of itself right. is really positive. I think looking ahead, right, performance over results. The performances, I think, for K-State have been pretty decent to start Big 12 play. And Tuesday night with Baylor and Bramlage is going to be huge mm -hmm. as they get another one of the only three unbeaten teams after two games in the conference. It's crazy how tough this conference is. Well, after starting 1-0, Houston dropped back-to-back -back road games at Iowa State and TCU. 
Are the Cougars still going to be a Big 12 title contender? I think yes fits because okay. they are so incredibly talented and they've got a great coach. I think they'll be able to figure it out. But look, you look at what Houston's going to have to contend with now. It is playing, quote unquote, Super Bowl matchups every night where you go back to last year, seasons past, right? They'd play Memphis and that'd be a really big game. And then they'd go and play a couple of cupcakes that they'd win by 20. There's no such thing in the Big 12, right? Houston went on the road to play Iowa State. It looked like they were going to get blitzed in the first half because Hilton Coliseum did what Hilton Coliseum does, right? It really does rattle opponents. But then there's the letdown opportunity the next game where then Houston loses at TCU in another close game. And I just look at these games and I wonder about Houston and maybe the mentality to be able to compete night in and night out over the course of this 18 game grind. That is going to take time. But again, Houston has the talent to be able to figure it out, get there in the end where they'll be able to win games. But I think the mentality adjustment fits is something that maybe isn't going to get a lot of uh, run. I think nationally when teams look at what Houston is doing, because the Big 12 is tough. And the thing about it is it's been this league for a few years now. And teams like Iowa State, K-State, Texas Tech, right? They may not have the most talent every year, but they have that mental resiliency every night to be able to compete. And I think that is what Houston is going to have to learn this season because I think clearly it's not been there to start Big 12 play. Yeah, it's uh, it's got to be an awakening for the Houston program now to be in a more competitive conference. Uh, the winner of this conference is going to do a few things. It's going to protect its home court. It's not going to lose at home. And it's going to steal as many road games as possible. Because as we saw with KU losing at UCF, winning any road game is significant in this conference. And that's what K-State just missed the opportunity to do. To go 3-0 with two road wins would have been absolutely enormous. But uh, you just got to find them where you can get them. And, and boy, you, you're not going to walk into any arena in this conference and walk out thinking, boy, that was easy. Um, it's You're going to be in fisticuffs every night. Well, Fitz, as we've learned with my picks, right, you don't want to pick road favorites you want to yeah. hit the the home underdogs maybe i'll yes. learn this week yes the the picks are oof. yeah i'm so sorry this happened to you <laughs> now a quick look at your poll question results the poll questions are brought to you by midland exteriors love the home you live in call today for a free estimate all right fitz last week's question was which of these big 12 men's teams will finish the highest in the conference Coming in first was Oklahoma with 43% of the vote, then Cincinnati with 27%, then BYU with 21%, and then Oklahoma State rounded out with 9%. I'm sorry I included you, Oklahoma State. I regret it. I regret it a lot. This week's question is, who will finish in last place in the Big 12? And there's your choices, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, West Virginia, UCF. Vote on our Twitter page at the Drive 13 all right, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill. But we'll be right back with more on KU and K-State here on The Drive. Welcome back to The Drive, fueled by BriggsAuto.com. Welcome back as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. This segment of the two-minute drill is sponsored by Copeland Insurance Agency, Part of your community for more than 60 years. Now, Lance Leipold announced on Sunday that he will be returning to KU in 2024. It was also reported that he turned down Washington's job offer. How big is this moment for KU football? 
fits. I mean, I'll put it like this. The reigning national champion runner-up wanted Lance Leipold and Chris Kleiman, mm -hmm. maybe, to fill its head coaching vacancy. And KU's head coach said, I'm good. I'm going to stay in, in Lawrence. And obviously, K-State's head coach said the same thing. Now, right, in terms of a publicity, it is huge for Kansas because you look at the Washington message boards, right, with 24-7 sports, and it's a lot of fans saying, oh, well, Kansas head coach turned us down. Well, I think the Kansas program, as we've discussed, is in a very different spot right now than it was in three, four, five years ago. So what does this mean for KU? Well, I think so much of the infrastructure that has been built around this program, built around Leipold, to put it frankly, uh, gets to continue rolling on. This would have been the worst possible time for a head coach to leave. Yep. KU literally does not have a stadium, right? The West Side and the North Bowl are, are in rubble. And the infrastructure, right, NIL, the culture, that would have been ripped to pieces. And so for KU being able to continue to build on that is super crucial because you look at what Kansas returns, right? Jalen Daniels has announced he's coming back. KU's going to return its top three wide receivers. Devin Neal is coming back. KU's going to have some returning pieces along the offensive line. Its secondary is going to be really good. This is a team that if they can improve, I think, the front seven defensively through spring practice or through the course of the transfer portal, maybe in the spring, this is a team that can compete for a Big 12 title. And that in and of itself is such a huge step for a program that hasn't sniffed anything like that in over 15 years. So for KU to be able to you know, have Lance Leipold return, it's huge if you want to get in the semantics of was he offered the job, was he not? you can do different reporting and read different people's reporting about what was said, right? Football Scoop is saying that Lance Leipold was offered the job. Pete Thamel, I think, is falling in line with what uh, happens at every single coaching search fits, which is only one person is ever offered the job and it's the guy that takes it. So I'm not too sure about that one. But for KU, this is a massive day. And looking ahead, I think there's even more reason to be excited because KU's head coach is committed. And I think the Kansas athletic department is equally committed to making sure this football program continues that upward trajectory. I, I'm telling you what, brother, as I was trying to fall asleep Saturday night, I'm, I'm following the story because of course, Washington's two hours behind. So there's, they're still kind of in their news cycle. Yeah. And as I went to bed last night, I thought KU was about to lose Lance Leipold. And I was like, this, that, 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 no. I mean, it reminded me of Bill Snyder early in his, his run, had an opportunity with UCLA and was going to take it and then said, no, I'm here. It's the people. I'm staying right here. Uh, and I think this is significant. They're going to keep running at Lance Leipold um, until it's pretty clear that it's going to be no. Exactly. And so it's a huge thing for KU. And Let's get into this now, Fitz. Washington also made a run at Chris Kleiman, who declined even interviewing for the job. Fitz and I have done really good reporting on that. This will be Ugh. this staff's sixth year in Manhattan. Are they setting up for the long haul, you think? Yeah, I think I, I'm beginning to think unless Iowa pops open and it's the right opportunity, the right time, Chris Kleiman is going to end his career at K-State. And I also believe that that career isn't going to be as long as what people expect from head coaches nowadays. And I think this is going to be something we see. It's clear to me, Nick Saban, who we'll get into in a second, stepped away because the NIL, the transfer portal, everything going on in college sports has changed what a college head coach does. And Chris Kleiman feels that too. And it's not a great thing to be the head coach who has to do all the recruiting while managing basically salaries and a locker room full of guys that are getting paid, some of them getting paid more than coaches. So it's just an overall, the college game has changed a lot. Uh, I, I was interested that Chris Kleiman did initially listen. 
you know, he was no dummy here. He was going to see what was out there, but um, he just he's just at home at K-State. He's got family around in Iowa, uh, and he's he feels like they've got something going. He just promoted one of his good friends to offensive coordinator in Con O'Reilly, brought in another good friend in Matt Wells to be associate head coach and help Con O'Reilly uh, run that offense and to coach um, Avery Johnson, a quarterback. It does feel like they're setting roots down. Uh, and I think Avery is the timetable. Avery Johnson, if he's everything we think he might be or even close to that, I think his you know, three years or so that are left on the clock for him uh, will be kind of a telling moment for K-State football. Can they reload with someone after that? Because I think all of us who have been around Avery have seen him operate on and off the field know that he's pretty special. And I also think coaches don't want to just leave that behind. And I had a reporter say, well, he could take Avery Johnson with him to Washington if he went. And I'm like, I don't see Chris Kleiman like Colin Klein didn't do that, uh, even try to do that with A&M. That's just not the people they are. That's why they're at K-State. That's why they fit so well at K-State. Uh, and uh, I just think he's in for the haul. And I think that's very good news because it appears Lance Leipold is too. Folks, football is going to get really fun for a while. It's going to be amazing in this state. I love it, Fitz. I'm pumped. I said last week, right, I don't want to fast forward through life and things like that, but fall 2024, I can't wait. I know. I agree. Now we step out of bounds, and out of bounds is brought to you by Darius Corner Market. We love local, and we are local for you. All right, Fitz, this is a really interesting subject. Obviously, Nick Saban has retired, and Washington's Kellen DeBoer has replaced him. But Fitz, is there about to be a changing of the guard in the college football head coaching rankings yep. across the country? Yep, there are. I, I don't think Nick Saban's going to be the last. Uh, you know, he was in his 70s. I think a lot of guys in their 60s are going to say, this is not worth it. I, I am under a constant grind. Uh, you get done with the season. Oh, you got to defend your, your players from going into the portal. And you got to start looking at players that have gone into the portal from other programs while you're still trying to recruit because you got signing day coming up. Oh, no, by the way, you got a bowl game coming up. So you got to manage your roster, make sure you got enough guys on the roster to play the bowl game and start bowl practices. You might want to scout that bowl team you're playing uh, all in the matter of at the same time, a week. It's just absolutely incredible. Uh, and the problem here uh, isn't the existence of the transfer portal in the NIL. It's how it's being managed and how it's being timed. Uh, to go along with recruiting and all that. They're going to have to figure out the calendar a little bit better. But I'm telling you what, if you're going to manage salaries, which is essentially what the NIL is doing, and you're going to be a player personnel director that's constantly looking for the free agents, which is what the transfer portal is, you might as well go to the NFL and not recruit. Um, and I just think this is going to have a devastating negative effect on college coaching. And I think a lot of young coaches are going to end up being head coaches because this will be what they understand. This is their version of college football. Uh, and the change in the guard could be dramatic over the next two, three, four years. Yeah, Fitz, you mentioned it. I think there are a lot of, not even head coaches, I think assistant coaches, I think coordinators, position guys that are going to look to make the jump to the NFL because yep. this schedule for them in particular, they aren't making millions and millions of dollars. They're still making, I think, great salaries in terms of broader America, but the money is just not what it is for the head coach. And these guys are having to work just as hard, do just as many miles flying commercially, I might add, not on the team plane. Yeah. So I think it's crazy. I think generally, though, uh, this is not going to be sustainable for the oh. current crop of head coaches. Well, now let's hear from our fans. Our fan question is sponsored by Metal Arc Retirement Awaits in Manhattan, where you can live your way every day. 
Our fan question this week is, did the two Kansas football coaches just turn down the national title runner-up? This is from Brett in Topeka. They sure did. And wow. so did it. Sounds like Matt Campbell fended them off. And finally, Jed Fish at Arizona was the one that took the job. Um, and all four of those candidates were new Big 12 coaches. They'll be in the 16-school alignment. It's going to happen every year, folks. Uh -huh. This will be the proving ground for coaches. That it will be. Well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. When we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. Welcome back to The Drive, fueled by BriggsAuto.com. It is time to head down the home stretch of this week's show. And now let's take a look at our predictions. Predictions are brought to you by Kites. Meeting your friends at Kites since 1954. Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. Here are last week's results. How you doing, Michael? You I'm doing, doing bad. Good? I'm down bad fits. I'm uh, terrible at this. The fans of me went two and one, and Michael, um, I'm awful. <laughs> I went zero and three fits. This yeah. is terrible. Yeah, it's look. You'll get through this. You'll get through this. We, we got some games you can cherry pick this week, and okay. here's this week's. We start with Kansas at West Virginia. Kansas at a five and a half point favorite. Does oh. KU win by six or more? Yes, I hope. I'm going to take them too. I I just but after the UCF game, you're like, oh, who knows? Who knows on the road in this conference? So true. Next is Oklahoma <clears throat> State at K State. K State's a five and a half point favorite. I'm also really hoping K-State wins by six or more because I have them too. Yes, I will take them too. So we match on those. K-State has Baylor and Oklahoma State both at home in Bramlage this week. So a big week for the Cats. And we wrap it up with Baylor on Saturday after they play at Manhattan. Then they get to go to Texas. And we've got UT as a one-and-a-half point favorite, you say. I have Texas on fraud watch, so I'll be taking Baylor. Baylor, okay, very nice. I've got uh, Texas in this mm. one. Again, make your picks on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. And now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One, by local for a strong local community. And here's Michael Swain of Fog.net. Let's talk some Johnny Furphy. I thought he looked really good in his second career start, first Big 12 start, and I think he's going to keep this role going forward. It's not often you see Bill Self give the double fist pump above the head. And you saw that in the first half of the game after Furphy competed for a 50-50 ball, something this KU team hasn't done a lot of. But Furphy is doing those intangible things. They're going to get his head coach to love him and Jayhawk fans too. Well, that's nice. I, I wish Bill Self loved me. <laughs> hey, uh, I've got two topics here I want to touch on. First of all, congratulations to the Kansas State women. Won back-to-back -back games inside Bramlage Coliseum. They still only have one loss in the season beating number 10 Texas. Let's see if the Cats can get into the top 10 this week in the AP Top 25 because they're very deserving. Also, how about this Baylor coaching tree? We went into the weekend with only three schools at 2-0. Scott Drew at Baylor, 2-0. Jerome Tang, his, his longtime understudy, 2-0. And Grant McCaslin, another Baylor guy at Tech, 2-0. Something's going on at Baylor. It's in the water. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We'll start off. We'll see you next week right here at All Week on social media.